What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 14, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. I am so excited for you to meet my friend, Matt Peterson. We had such a great time talking fatherhood and the dude just has so much wisdom and I love his approach to life. And a couple of the major nuggets that stuck out to me that I think you're gonna enjoy is he has really three rules for life. Those are one, find the joy in what you're doing, two, seek prosperity for your family, and three, leave the world a better place. And a statement he made that I find also true for myself is I love being a dad even when I don't. Enjoy hearing this conversation with my friend Matt. All right, welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm really pumped to be hanging out and talking with Matt Peterson. What's up, Matt? How are you? I'm doing good, brother. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man. I know our paths have crossed probably just a few times the last five years, and I've been seeing you a lot more lately. And I'm like, all right, I want to get to know this guy. I know you're a great dad. And I've actually, uh, our mutual friend JB had told me before, Matt is a great dad. You should connect with him. So that's why we're sitting here talking fatherhood now, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's funny how our paths cross. You know, I was a pro snowboarder for a long time, and JB is like one of my best friends. He and I started Academy Snowboards together. And so when he gives someone, uh, or when he gives me like an endorsement, like, yo, you got to meet my friend Ned. He's got this thing. You guys should meet up. Um, I usually don't take it lightly because he doesn't say yeah. that, that many people. <laughs> Oh, that's really cool, man. Yeah. He's such a like salt of the earth dude. Um, and so he's just seems like he's always sharing life and love with whoever he can. So, um, well rad, man. All right. So, so people get to know you a little bit more. You already said you were a pro snowboarder for a bit. So let's just kind of get into a couple things that'll help us know who I'm talking to here. So how old are you today? I'm 42, 42. And how many years have you been married? Uh, since 2007, since 2007. So okay, I'm so coming like, up on a big one, big anniversary here. You help yeah, me do the four, math here. 14, 15 years here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Nice. And you guys have how many kids? Yeah. So we have two daughters. Um, they are five and eight. Um, and so I met my wife, uh, 21 years ago okay. where we were both snowboarding chasing snowboarding in the mountains. We were actually in Colorado and Breckenridge. We both lived there. Uh, Matt, you know, kind of fell in love and uh, yeah, we've been together for half our lives. We just realized that this year. Yeah. Gnarly when you get to that point, because you think of your childhood in high school, you're like, that was such a big part of my life. And then you go, wait a second, we've been together longer than we were apart, which is, which is pretty gnarly. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, really, when you get a chance to reflect on it, uh, I realize how lucky I am to have found someone who, you know, who likes me back, you know, for so long. Um, I mean, that's <laughs> right. half my life. <laughs> yeah. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, so two kids, five and eight, and, and no more kids, right? Done? Donezo. Donezo. Okay, okay. And then now, okay, so pro snowboarder. Now, where are you? You're living in Northern California, Tahoe area. What do you do for a living now? Yeah, yeah. So I live up in uh, near Tahoe, near Truckee, and I look after a few ski resorts. So I'm the vice president of marketing and uh, brand. So I'm in the travel and tourism space. I'm in the get outside and have fun space. Um, it's a really cool career. It's exciting all the time, good and bad. But I mean, I, I deal with kids. I deal with, uh, I get to deal with kids and, uh, you know, smart business strategy and, you know, creative people. So it's kind of at the crosshairs of what gets me going. Yeah, man. So two, two questions that I have from that is, is one, how do you keep snowboarding fun for you and your family when it's such a big part of like your daily routine? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, I spent so much time snowboarding, you know, I bet I've snowboarded more than a hundred days a year for the last 35 years. Wow. Right? I mean, I, I grew up on the snow. My dad was in the ski industry and so he was actually a GM of a small ski resort, actually a number of them in the Midwest. So I grew up, you know, it's, it's actually kind of scary. I mean, I'm like reliving uh, my hero's life here. Uh, yeah, so I'm right? actually in a similar role. I've got my kids there here. I know I'm skipping over some stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, snowboarding, it's fun always. That's a, that's a question. How, when does it not get fun? So that, that's cool. So is it always fun to you then? Yeah. 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 I think like life is hard. So whenever I get the chance to strap in and slide sideways, you know, it, I always like snap back into that little flow state and hmm. it gets real simple and life gets real simple and real fun. I think the, how I'm keeping it fun now is I'm teaching my kids how to do it. So I get to go through that relearning process, which is awesome. Yeah, but hard. So, so this is why we see each other more. Is thank you so much for your guys's resort who decided to stay open during COVID and figure out the rules and figure out to happen, you know. And so that's, I bought my five kids season passes to Boreal, and so that's why I'm seeing you more because we're, you know, we were there last, we were there Friday, we were there Saturday, and we were there yesterday. Which I'll tell you, yesterday was the first day where I felt myself almost feel like a snob. Like I, I, I said, oh man, I don't want to come back till there's fresh snow. And that's the first time I've ever felt like that. Usually if, if I'm near the ocean or near the snow, I don't care what the waves look like. I don't care what the snow looks like. I'm like, paddle out, go out. It doesn't matter. And I felt myself getting a little snobby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been snowboarding my whole life. I mean, from being a little grom growing up in the Midwest, skiing after school or, or then chasing my dreams as a pro snowboarder for almost 12 years. I mean, I've been in every one of those situations and definitely like not had the best attitude, but I find like when I'm getting older, you know, it's pretty exciting to do what you love to do. And so I just, you got to find what's fun, right? It can't always be like, you know, waist deep blower pow. Um, right. So like yesterday I went too. I took my girls yesterday. We got this new tradition we're doing on Sundays. Well, yesterday was Monday, but normally Sundays and we're, we'll go shred and, you know, we pack a lunch, make some cocktails, we get some good food. We'll go snowboarding. And then we'll end up at some lake or dock or mm. somewhere. So we're calling it ski beach. And it's, uh, it's, 
it's like the whole thing is what makes it so fun. It's the planning, it's the looking forward to it, it's the going, it's the hiding out in your car when it's windy or, you know, throwing some old sleeping bags on the, on the sand at the end of the day. It's like all those things that I appreciate now as an adult where, you know, in my past, I might, might've breezed over some of those. Yeah. It's so funny that you bring it up because if you were to ask my kids, their favorite time of us snowboarding, it's almost dad. When you bring the girl and we make chili dogs in the parking lot and sit in the back of the car, it's like the in-between stuff that sometimes I think as dads, we overlook. We're like, we just got to eat. We just got to, okay, we'll park by the beach and have this snack real quick, but then we're leaving. And it's almost like those are the times that are the most meaningful and we're not even really doing anything just being together maybe near something cool you know i totally agree you know it's just like if you could look through the eyes of someone else especially a kid right yeah kids have fresh eyes so it's so exciting to hang out with them because well i mean that's what i do for a living too right so i'm like neck deep in data all the time and always you know chasing trends and understanding forecasts and stuff and a lot of times we'll do first party data collection and this qualitative stuff and be like, what was your favorite part? You know, interview kids and they'll be like, Oh, stopping it in and out on the way up (laughs) or there was free Gatorade or, you know what I mean? It's like the, the moments for them are so different than the moments for us. And it's just really important to get out of your head and see what other people are into. Man, I think that's such a great tip for dads to sort of step back on the day, step back on the week, or especially maybe the next family vacation and try to see the experience from your kid's eyes. Because I find myself so often just like jockeying to make sure they're having fun and we're getting to the next thing. And then I'm just stressing everybody out. Like I find myself, you ever find yourself like walking fast because you know, your family will just keep up with you to like, oh my God. <laughs> Dude, totally. It's like, it's like a busy parking lot. You're like, there's danger everywhere. Follow my lead. Uh, it's such so a funny. dad move. <laughs> dad move right there. No, no, uh, I like find myself giving the thumbs up, uh, you know, an obnoxious amount of time, which I think is like the international symbol for fatherhood. It's <laughs> uh, so funny. So before we go into talking more about dadhood, when you think about snowboard career, 12 years, to then, you know, wanting a family and that transition. So like, how's that transition from traveling and doing whatever you want, you know, to getting married and having kids? Like, how was that transition for you? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a lot to unpack there. Well, first of all, my wife, she's the youngest of four kids and I'm the youngest of five kids. Whoa. So we both come from big families. Both our parents are still together. That's a Um, huge gift. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, So we're both kind of used to not so much getting what we want, but doing what we want. (laughs) And so (laughs) so what's that like for two youngest to come together and not murder each other? (laughs) Yeah, well, it goes slow. You know, I graduated from high school a year early, took, tried my luck. uh, or went to college till then I turned 18 or so and then took a Greyhound out to Colorado. I wanted to be a pro snowboarder. So as soon as I basically, you know, could, I did. And then I chased that dream for a long time. And she was on a, she was on a different path, but very much her own um, that moved from the East coast out to Colorado. And we, we met in the mountains out there, but we had a long courtship, you know, we would, neither of us were real, you know, keen on growing up fast or absorbing more responsibility and anytime soon. So we were together for gosh, uh, 
I mean, almost more than 10 years before yeah. we had kids. We were together for like seven years before we got married. And so I think what I'm trying to say is that we're both really interested and focused in what we're interested in. And that might not line up with each other's timeline. So I think we just kind of waited each other out. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, she's, she's my everything, you know, so she still is. And it's just, I think because we're both go at our own pace and we're both interested in chasing our passions and stuff. So, like I said, we were together for more than a decade before we had kids um, and so when we, we kind of moved from being a pro snowboarder, I was traveling like every weekend all the time. I mean, year round, I would snowboard all over the globe, chasing friends and worldwide bar tour. And it was an amazing experience. I'm so, so grateful for, but I think that transition into like real responsibility. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Huge. But you know, the thing I really hear that I think is incredible is that you both as the youngest had this grace for each other. And you kind of said it a couple of times to allow each of you to go at your own pace. Like there was no rush for anything. And I think so much of the time, like I can put pressure on my wife regularly because I see where I want to go and she might not want to go exactly there. And that's okay. Like we could still be married and still be one and still be just the best of friends and allow ourselves some grace to pursue the things that matter to us at our own pace which I think, shoot, if dads or men could just gather that, like, dude, your whole marriage and life would be so much simpler if you, if you had that approach to your marriage. I agree. Yeah. You know, I mean, you see what's different, right? Like when it's just the two of you, you, you can allow for that freedom, right? You can be like, well, I'm going to do my thing. You're going to do that. Your thing. Shit. You're going to live in San Francisco. I'm going to go live in Utah. We'll catch back up in a couple months and, you know, we'll do all sorts of different stuff. But once you have kids, then, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's the full-time gig. It never, you never lets up, right? It's 24 hours a day, every day. Um, and so then you, that <laughs> slack, that slack that you had uh, to chill out or chase your folly. It's like uh, that, that goes away and it's replaced by, you know, your kids in this awesome, this awesome experience, this challenging experience, this ultimate experience, right? Like, yeah, so how do you take, how do you take, because I believe this to be true, right? Like, I don't think the game over t-shirt for when you get married or the game over when you have kids, I think that it's a new adventure, right? Now, clearly you got to go experience like once in a lifetime adventure, go chase dream snowboarding, but then to go and, and believe, okay, having kids is a new adventure and I'm going to go all in. Was there like, you already knew that was about, like you were about that or was it a big decision you have to make to go, okay, this is going to be buried a little bit and this new adventure is going to be this? No, I don't think it was as premeditated, you know? Um, I think it's not like it, you know, my kids are eight, so there, there weren't as many podcasts and there wasn't as much content out there to really like set you straight. Right. People right. would just say stuff like, Oh, sleep in, go to a movie now or go out on a date before it happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, it all seems so cliche and I know I don't subscribe a lot to that. Right. I just think that you can choose your own path in life. But anyway, like I said, so I kind of, you know, we kind of car crashed into it. And so it it takes everything you've got and I think there's definitely adjusting there and it's continually, right? It's never, you've never stopped. Adjusting, oh yeah. Right? As soon as you figure out one stage, then all of a sudden they're walking and then all of a sudden they're talking. There's always, and then they hit puberty and then you're like, oh my God, it's just a continuous, 
stage, but none of them are bad. If your if your perspective on it is you're down for the adventure. Yeah, I think adventure is the right way to put it because I'm a big fan of adventure. I've lived my whole life. I've chased dreams all around the world. I'm constantly, you know, going on adventures with my friends. And what my favorite parts are like is the misadventure, right? The unknown, the stories uh, you come back with, the challenges you overcame. And so I like how you put it that way. So I like, you know, thinking about fatherhood as like an adventure. I mean, it is. Like life is change. Uh, it's the hardest thing to realize because if you did realize it, then things would get a lot easier. But, you know, it's just this truth that we just cannot teach ourselves. <laughs> right, right. The, 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 the only constant is change or whatever, however the saying goes. Um, dude, okay, I love it. Let me, let me then jump into a couple of questions. Um, all right. When you think about becoming a father, you already kind of made mention that there wasn't really podcasts, maybe not, you know, you know, certain things out there to kind of help you along. What were some of the, the resources that helped you when you first became a father? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, first of all, I'm just super proud um, and lucky and grateful. And, you know, the older I get, the more I realize like, um, you know, how grateful I am is that I came from this family that was awesome. It is awesome in like the current status. You know, my, my parents are alive. They're 83. One's going to be 84 next month. Um, you know, I'm four older brothers and sisters, cousins and uncles and all these types of things. And I realized like, that's really my safety net. You know, those are my mm. people. Like they don't even know they're in my council. <laughs> you know, I keep that council and I I'll call and ask my friends and allies, like the same question and get their opinions on stuff. But I remember one friend in particular, my friend, Ben, uh, he took me right when I had a new kid and my first daughter and he could tell I wasn't sleeping. And it's just, you know, that, that first few months where you're like, Oh my God, what did I get it myself into? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and he took me out he's like, bought me lunch. And, um, he was just like, Hey, you know, he's got two boys kind of how mine are now. And he's like, listen, I know it's intense. He's like, but it's going to get better. It's going to get so great. You're going to find stability of something. You're going to find sleep. These, this is going to be your, you know, these are going to be your best friends. Like it's going to be so worth it. You can get through it. And I remember that being like a, a much needed lunch, but beyond that, you know, like, can I my, ask you something yeah, about that lunch real sure. quick? So what gave him the authority for him to feel confident to hit you up and say, bro, let me take you to lunch and talk to you about this. Yeah, that's a good question. So he was a team manager of mine. Um, so he used to look after me as an athlete. Um, and then he's gone on to be quite successful. And I don't know, I think it, he reached out and he's like, congrats. And I was like, thanks. And he just took that bold move. And I think Looking back now, I realize like what a generous gift that was, right? Mm, yeah. And so I know I would recommend it. I have friends who are, you know, with new kids. I got to do that. Like just take them out, be their homie for a minute and just be like, trust me, it gets so much better. <laughs> Dude, I think that's such a huge nugget though, because sometimes I think we walk through life a little bit like unsure or not confident or like, why would I take him out? I definitely don't have this crap figured out. But if you've been through a stage, oh, that's almost enough, right? To just come alongside and be like, hey, dude, it does get better. You have what it takes. Here's lunch. And just that, like, I care about you enough to do that is huge. And I know like I can get wrapped up in my world so much that I wouldn't do that maybe. 
And that one lunch, I mean, it's been, you know, eight years and it still was an important moment to you. So it's like yeah. us dudes need to take that and go like, what if each one of us listening to this right now? Cause we all know somebody who had a kid in the last year, hit him up. How are you? Let's go to lunch. And it's not from the stance of, I have it figured out. It's almost from the stance, like from him hearing from you is like, been there, bro, been there, <laughs> you know? And for us dudes like that means something. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that's empathy. 101 mm, right you know, yes. you're, you're right there with you uh you're acknowledging how difficult and you know uh chaotic it is and i think that's where i just it was nice it was like a nice little moment it was i hadn't talked to him in years oh really yeah years wow. and he just like we he was he had moved back to boulder i was living in denver at the time um anyway so i think those small acts of kindness can go a long way and Mm -hmm. i think you're right i think like so much of the time you know it's just like social constraints you're like you have to appear like you have it all figured out and uh you know if we agree life has changed then we're always going to be figuring it out yeah yeah for sure oh man that was good now i want to just point out another word you use and ask you know i don't really hear people use the word allies you know, so you said you have your allies. Where'd that terminology come from uh, for you when you think yeah. about people you trust? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's funny, right? I think, um, you know, there's a competitive spirit. We're in a capitalistic society where, um, you know, with, with free internet, where there's a lot of different metrics to use to, to climb ahead and, and, and be more successful, and so I think what comes out of that is a real competitive vibe. And while that's important, free market economics and all that, um, it's, it's not very, it doesn't give me a lot of energy. So when I think mm. of allies, I think of collaborators, I think of people who are invested not so much in the outcome, but maybe, you know, like the vibe or like I have so many friends that, I call up to say, Hey, how are you doing? What's up? You know, like, how's that going? You know, I think of like myself, I try to think of myself, not always, but I try, uh, you know, to be an ally or a collaborator, how can I help? You know, if we agree, there's no finish line, which is another one I think we should agree on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always working our way. Then I, I think I want to help out. I want to help build something. You've got something to offer. You know something I don't know. Um, you know people I don't know. I know people you don't know. And I want to like, I just want to help build something better and uh, and not compete. So it kind of takes judgment out, I guess. Yeah, dude, that's so powerful, man. Takes judgment out. It's like, it feels like we are trained because of our culture, I guess, just to, that's always, it, I don't want to use the word always, but it, we're trained for that to be there. We're yeah. trained to think of ourselves. How do I get ahead? But if there's no finish line, then, and we don't, it's, it's not about the outcome. Then we could just do life together and you're going to be helpful to me. I don't even, I'm trying to get rid of the word better actually, <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. you know, it's like, it's not about you are better than me at this or I'm better. It's that we both have lived different lives. So we both have something to gain from each other and to find those relationships. That's huge. So I love that word allies. And thanks for sharing on it because it uh, changes things, the way you perceive who you're, who you're doing life with. Yeah, it does. I think it's really fun to think about, uh, you know, building things. Like for me, like for business stuff, I, like I said, I, I'm really lucky. I've got a great job. Um, I look after three cool youth brands. We build new and exciting stuff every year. 
Um, now it has its flip sides. It has its, you know, major challenges and, and everything. But the thing that gets me going is like bringing ideas to life, right? That's mm -hmm. it. It starts with this little spark and maybe it came from me. Maybe it came from a friend. Maybe it came from a conversation after me and three friends watched something or heard something, but it's bringing that thing to life. And we just realized you just can't, it's very difficult to do anything on your own. And so the more collaborators and the more allies you have, whether they know it or not, I think is a much better, I know for me, I'm much more successful bringing these things to life every year. The more, uh, the more collaborators I get to work with. So this idea of bringing ideas to life really being something that uh, is like a, a genius zone for you. What, how do you pass that onto your kids at five and eight? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, I think one of the things I try to tell my kids and they sure they don't listen, but you know, that what separates us as humans, one of those things is that we're able to create and build, right? We have memory. Mm -hmm. We have this amazing ability to empathize with one another, to use our uh, skills, the ones we were born with, and then the ones that we grow and develop and foster throughout our, our days here on the planet. And so I think that's really important. So, um, you know, we, so for instance, for during COVID, you know, the first lockdown, crazy, we're all finding ourselves, right. But there was this like guilty moment where all of a sudden uh, I'm at work all the time and now I'm not, I'm at home with my kids. This was in the early days, yeah, like yeah. In March, April. And all of a sudden I'm with my daughters like every day for a month. And it's a challenge, right? They're doing kindergarten and third grade and I'm, you know, running three businesses. And my wife is a, uh, is a graphic designer and a freelancer. And we're doing this all in 900 square feet, um, you know, California. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's a challenge, but then, you know, out of that chaos comes this idea to say, let's, you know, there's nothing stopping us to do our own thing. So they were like, let's make a movie. And I'm like, yes, let's do this. And so we took some of their, this sounds so funny. We took some of their uh, Lottie dolls, these like kind of like alternative Barbies. And uh, we made this stop motion video and it's just uh, hilarious. It's very amateur. It's there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of greatness about it, but the fact that we created it and we built it together, you know, we're painting backdrops and, and just having a great time with zero outcome, right? We're like, there was no, it's uh, all about the process, right? Yeah. And it was just, you know, it was neat though. It was like one of those conversations you're having with friends, your allies, my kids are my allies most of the time. And, uh, <laughs> and we're like, let's do it. And so we saw it all the way through and it was like this little two week project. And, um, I don't know. I hope to do more of that. I hope that we have conversations that seem big and audacious and then we follow through, you know, to one Dude. end or the other. Yes. Yeah, so that sounds incredible. It sounds so fun. I love it. So tell me about this. Okay. So you have a five and eight year old. So in this process, right, your kids stoked at the beginning, they want to do this. <laughs> you say yes to it. What's that balance? Uh, and maybe what did you learn from two thoughts? One, the follow through, right? Because like an idea is one thing, but when you're two days later, your kid's like, I don't want to paint this background anymore. And then you as the dad are like, okay, well, just give me the paintbrush. I'm going to do the whole damn thing myself, right? So where's yeah. that? What are some of the things you learned that worked and didn't work as you guys went through that together? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like we were saying earlier, like you got to watch yourself, like where you're, 
Like when you're leading your kids through the parking lot, you're trying to go from A to B as fast as possible. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so arts and crafts, you know, that's not as, that's a challenge to have that, that attitude. So you, I think the first one is just trying to say like, you know, how do you slow down? Cause that's mm-hmm. going to be the very first thing. Like, you know, yeah. you're used to going at a high octane and a productive, like adult, <laughs> you know, uh, right. this isn't one of our businesses. Yeah. This is just like a thing to do with our kids and it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun. So usually I try to like slow it down right from the get go. Um, and you know, like 20 minutes later, they're not into it. And like 30 minutes after you put it all away, they want to do it again. Then they forget <laughs> about it. And then you're like pulling your hair out. So um, I think it's just like life though, because, or any of my big projects, it's a little by a little, right? It's one step at a time. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same advice I would give to any of my friends. It's just like, you, as long as you don't stop, you're going to get there, you know, wherever there is, that's up to you. But, uh, you know, if you don't stop, you know, you can go as slow as you want, but as long as you move that ball forward, um, the project keeps going. And so that's really what I try to try to push. But I mean, shoot, I, my wife is talking me off a swearing spree or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the reality, right? I mean, that's, yeah. the real, that's the real, but in you look back at the two week period, you know, there's those moments of frustration, but then the overall, what happened, it's not about the video, but it's all that you learned about being a dad, your kids learned about, about how to do a project. And I think that that best advice right there was just slow it down. Slow it down. Yeah. That's huge. I know I need help with that. I mean, I run three brands and I'm a busy guy on different boards and I'm, you know, chasing my own creative stuff. So I'm always just going hundred miles an hour. And so slowing it down, that's a gift the kids give to me, right? Because uh, life, yeah. you can kind of burn through life pretty quick if you're just trying to get as much done as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're right here saying it, it's like, oh, it makes total sense. (laughs) We're philosophizing about this. That's awesome. But then we get back to our to do after this. We're like, crush the day. Uh, We're we're back in the parking lot, leading our family (laughs) as fast as possible, looking absolutely awkward. Yeah. So it's almost like, so I have this question that John Eldridge, he wrote a book called Wild at Heart that uh, has really been like, one of the questions I keep asking myself is like, what's life like for those in your kingdom? And I want to add this second question to it. Like, do you need to slow down right now? Because I feel like I could, I could use that question like five times a day when I'm getting out of the house in the morning, when I'm talking to you, right. Am I looking at the clock every, okay, we making it, you know, and then when I get home dinner time, I bet you, if I just slowed down a little, I'd probably enjoy the whole damn day a lot more. Well, that's what's cool. Been cool about COVID, you know, trying to find some silver lining to this, all this grief and, you know, challenge. Uh, I like, I was just reminiscing. I normally travel a pretty good amount, like probably once a month, I would go somewhere for work or for one of the different businesses I belong to. And um, it's next month will be a whole year and I haven't gotten on a plane since February. Wow. And so that has led to saying no to a lot of things, which, you know, is a challenge for me. And I just think that like, that's been pretty incredible because this has been almost a year now I've spent at home. Um, 
spent time with my kids. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's equal challenges with staying at home and doing those other things, but you know, there's, there's silver lining there. I've, I've been sure. able to slow down. I've done less and maybe I've done it a little bit deeper. Um, and I think the older I get, I know I'm more interested in doing deeper work than, you know, it's just scratching the surface. Yeah. Oh man, that's so good. Okay. So <laughs> my next question, uh, what do you define the role of the father as? So what do you think the role of the father is? Yeah. I don't know if I have like the exact terminology, but you know, I mean, I think like facilitator, right. Mm. And I think, um, you know, you're the example, the demonstrator. I know I learn a lot when I watch someone do it once or twice. This is how I interact with a person. This is how I ask for something. This is what I look like in this situation. Like I've always learned that way, especially being the youngest of five, right? I got to see my older brother who I've always looked up to still. He's on my ally list that all my family is, but <laughs> having the, the vantage point of seeing all these things, the demonstration, my parents, you know, I had a pretty, pretty cool thing. My dad ran a ski resort and my mom was a teacher. So if I wasn't at school, I was seeing my dad run businesses or, you know, handle that. And then when I was at school, I'd get to see my mom doing that type of stuff. So that, that role of demonstrator, I think is priceless. Um, you know, and then the more demonstrations, the more experiences, just the better you're giving your kids like a tool set for when they don't have you around. You know, and then I would say facilitator, right? Like how do they take their dreams and how do you try to make them a reality? Yeah. You know, whether it's resources or a playbook or encouragement, um, you know, and then supporter, you know, I want to be there for them. Like life is hard, you know, then I think that's another one to just understand. <laughs> then you're not so surprised when it happens. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, supporter for sure, I think. That's probably that's what I'm I'm working on. And listener too, I think that I'm I'm definitely trying to be a better listener. And that's a different, a, definitely a transition, right? Your eight year old, I have an eight year old as well. She's my youngest, but that's like a whole transition in and of itself. Is now you have to switch who your what your role is a bit. It's like now you're listening and not just telling them to brush their teeth and you know, <laughs> eat their sandwich. All of a sudden, they have this this opinion, which you want to help flourish, but then you got to freaking change your approach. Um, something you said is demonstrator and, and, uh, example. And I think we go, Oh yeah, I'm a great example. You know, but then you said a couple like little things in between there, like, this is how I act in this is this situation. And this is how I ask for things. It was, you said one other thing, but those were two that really stuck out to me to go, Whoa, like the way that I ask for something in a restaurant, the way I ask for something from my wife, the way I ask from a stranger, my children are watching me do that. And one day they're going to mimic that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I mean, for that's real. heavy, bro. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, you know, to, to, like a, to pay attention what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, they're sponges, right? They are, they don't miss a beat, right? Especially in 900 square feet. So, I mean, I look back to when I grew up, you know, this super strong female presence. Like I have three older, I have an older brother, three older sisters, my okay. mom, um, you know, and like, so I always grew around, grew up with all these women who, you know, were much bigger and stronger and smarter than I was, <laughs> you know? So I just assumed that's how they all were. And I think that really challenged the narrative of like, uh, you know, in, in, in not so much contemporary society, but cliche and trope 
around, you know, the feminine role, right? Like I grew up, I think, uh, maybe less, there was less of that. Like my mom, you know, graduates degrees, she's taught her whole life. She's absolutely accomplished world traveler, raised five kids, lived everywhere. And then I have these three older sisters that are also just super, uh, super smart, super talented, accomplished. And, uh, and they like gave it to me when I was a kid, they'd be like in charge. Right. So I just think when I grew up with this demonst- these demonstrators, I get to see everything, you know, like when my parents were around, then I'd see how they act. But then when they weren't and I was raised by my sisters, I'd see how they would do it. And then that's just like a technique. I think I just absorbed. And then you realize that there's a lot of study behind it. Like, that, you know, that you, you follow what you see. And so Which puts a huge responsibility on us dads to go, man, I need to be working and improve, working on myself regularly, being in tune with who I am so that I can lead my family the way that I want to, not the way that I hope to. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important too, too. like, you know, here I am, I'm, you know, waxing poetic, maybe semi-poetic here. And it's like, uh, you know, this is the best of me, right? But I think one quote that my mom told me once is a good story. So, you know, raising five kids, I'm always like, man, what was going through your head, right? (laughs) But but that's a whole nother story. I'll tell you about this big family. But um, anyway, there's this quote that my mom told me that I just love so much. And I I think it's, it's valuable. And it's, she said, at the end of a long day, you know, she missed whatever it was, somebody's crying. She didn't live up to her own expectations. She wasn't the example she wanted to be that day. And she's tucking us into bed and she's like, I'll give us a kiss on her forehead and says, I, I promise I'll be a better parent to you tomorrow. And I think it's so powerful now, now that I'm a parent, because it shows you even your heroes, even you think the people mm. who like never had a bad day and always did it right. You know, life happens and we have bad days and you got to give yourself the the room to be okay with that and so i just i repeat that mantra for sure you know on days i lose it or days i'm not there days whatever you know hey i promise i'll be a better parent tomorrow i dig it because it sounds like the motive behind it isn't isn't this like victim i failed today it's this i love you deeply and i'm going to continue to grow in this which are two drastically different (laughs) ways that you could feel about it but one leads to you flourishing more in life. And the other one leaves you just feeling crappy about yourself. So let's dig into your parents for a minute. So 83 and almost 84. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome right there. Still, how many years have they been married? Check this out. We are coming up on this. I think it's next year. Their 60th wedding. Oh my gosh, dude, that is incredible. Props. Yeah. That's big time. They are the biggest G's in the game right there in the parenting game. Like, um, honestly, they are my heroes. They are still my heroes. So just quick, like super top level thing. So my dad, he, he grew up in the Midwest. Um, he lost his mom when he was 12 kind of turned it into a sort of a broken home there. Just Mm -hmm. didn't get, I don't get into it, but it didn't, didn't really work out. So he had to start making decisions for himself, start looking after himself when he was about 12 years old. Wow. And he moved around. He luckily there was some family up in Northern Minnesota that he could live with and kind of find his own way, but very much on his own, very much finding his own way. And uh, 
he went to school for a little bit, then he found a gig overseas and he was working over there, like a very opportunistic, very hustler, which yeah. he had to be. I mean, shit, yeah. can you imagine being on your own in like, like that? I mean, that's, it's heavy to think about for sure. Um, boarding schools and anyway, foster stuff. And anyway, um, so then he, he met my mom. Oh wait. So then I'll flip it over. So my mom is the youngest of a family of 10. Eight wow. Kids. Michigan. Oh, she was mom. the youngest of 10. Yeah. Dang. Three, three uncles, her older brothers fought in world war two, Navy, Pearl Harbor, wow. heavy, wow. heavy stuff. Right. Like, I mean, they were, I mean, these guys are like legends, right? I mean, we're talking no one of them was on the Lexington, one's on the New Jersey. Okay. So anyway, so she's the youngest of eight kids. He's in, he has a stepsister, but kind of pretty much on his own. And then they find each other and uh, in Colorado years and years later after they both travel a lot. And uh, my mom was school teacher. My dad was in the army. Um, they got together and my dad really wanted a big family. My mom was used to a big family. And so I talked to him, you know, before this thing, cause I was just like, you know, this is really kind of your story and my story. And hopefully it'll be my daughter's story one yeah. day. Time. And, you know, he told me that he, he made the family he always wished he'd belong to. Wow. And I just like kind of chokes me up a little bit. Dude, because you got to be born into a family with a dude who did the hard work to then be married for 60 years. Like we're not even close to 60 years old <laughs> yet. And this dude has figured out how to swallow his pride, not be selfish, love a woman, love children, love grandchildren, put food on the table. Like, bro, that is what we are shooting for. And you've got this example who overcame some gnarly stuff for, for you to step into like worlds ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I have just like so much respect for them and uh, you know, they're, they're always showing me the way, you know? So it's like my dad became an author when he retired oh, after wow. a long business career and you know, and my mom, then they, then they co-wrote a book together, which then turned into a play um, about water stewardship and clean water. And anyway, so like, like I said, I couldn't, the older I get, the more I realize how lucky I am to have been, you know, born into this, this story. Right. Yeah. And that's where I kind of go back to like allies and collaborators. Like we're all part of the story. And I think one of the biggest gifts that I have is that there's this lineage, there's this great legacy that I'm really grateful for to be a part of. And that's where I'm trying to pay it forward for my kids. Right. I'm trying to, I mean, I feel so lucky. I live this life that, um, you know, was simple and they were open-minded. They let me chase my dreams. They were supportive. They always let me make my own choices. You know, I was the youngest of five. They're probably over-parenting at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm trying to do that as much as I can, but it's hard. Yeah. 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 So, oh man, so much good stuff. How, how is it that with a great upbringing that you had the freedom, how is it that you didn't just I don't know. Sometimes you, you, you see the, not that you were entitled, maybe that's the piece that you're wanting to then do this and pay it forward and, and take that success and have a successful marriage and have a successful parenting. You know, you know, I guess what's the secret either that your parents did with you that now you want to go do this and not rebel against it. I <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, 
you know, I think being the youngest, you get to see a lot of other choices play out. Right. So that's a good advantage, you know? And so, I mean, shoot, I wasn't an easy kid, man. I was like all over the place doing, uh, you know, testing the boundaries, which is what kids should do. Right. That's where you should do it. So that way, when you're out on your own and the stakes are high, you're going to make the best choice you can. But I mean, I, I think I was surrounded by good examples. I'm grateful for those. And it just seems intuitive that I want to do that for my kids, you know? And then I think part of that though, is that I've got, I'm lucky enough to have family and friends. And I think that's sort of an accountability net. I think those people know who you are, right? They don't know Mm. your, your Facebook page or, you know, social page or whatever, like who you're trying to be. They know you, right? Yeah. And so I think, so I know for me, I'm always trying to make my friends and family proud, right? I think that's sort of my audience. That's sort of my ideal leader's are the people I care most about. And they're the people who know me the best. And so that's who I'm trying to make proud. Dude, that's so good. But why do you care to make them proud? Because I want to make the world a better place. Mm. And so those are my judges and juries that who I'd feel comfortable with because they know you. I mean, I think, you know, I live my life. I attempt to live my life in a simple way where I'm really focused on, you know, three things, right? I'm, I'm focused on finding the joy wherever I can, you know, chasing that joy in my heart. That's what gives me the spark, right? Maybe it's snowboarding. Maybe it's, it could be anything, but as soon as I get a taste of it, I'm, I'm after it. I'm going to try to find it wherever I can. I'm after the, you know, prosperity of my family and my friends, and I want to try to make the world a better place. And so those are sort of my guiding values, you know? So then and, what um, gave you those guiding values? Oh, my parents, for sure. Huh. And I think probably travel. Like I've, I've had a, I've been lucky enough to travel all over the world. Um, and I've kind of get to see life and culture through other people's mm. hands. And, you know, I, I've had a lot of different jobs. I've had a lot of different experiences. And the thing that I realize the through line is just people are people, right? Like my friends in Japan and my friends in Europe or my friends in Wisconsin, they're all just the same people. Or I used to caddy when I was going to college at like really, you know, prestigious golf clubs. And I would meet, you know, I got to be pretty good friends with like a lot of, you know, wealthy and important people. And, um, they, I, they were just people too. So, and you know, and then after that I was, I'm just like waxing on here, but I drove uh, a short bus in the winters for disabled people. I'd help them get to school. I'd help them get to work and stuff like, cause I just needed a job, you know, it was the only job I could get, but I just realized they're just people too. So it was kind of a neat time in my life where I got to see juxtaposing, places of power, you know, like literally billionaires or like, you know, and, and people who have nothing, like, you know, you need to like wipe their face because they're paraplegic or whatever. Um, I think seeing those two lives come together in contrast, um, just reinforces my, the truth that people are people. Man, I think that's so powerful, your experiences that you've had and and your ability to take that into your world. And I think it just is a huge reminder that it's really easy to get set in ways as as humans, but to expose our kids to as many possible different experiences as possible. It's like when you talk about travel and stuff, you know, sometimes we just think about it as like, let's go to this resort in Tahiti. But the idea of traveling and doing life 
and seeing life through other people's eyes, like you said, will give our kids an exposure to the world that will help them, I think, have empathy to come back to a word we've kind of used a couple of times is to, that people are people yeah. and be careful how we're judging them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I think it's so cool. Like, so I, you know, here I am. And then the thing I try to do and I like give it, give unsolicited advice uh, <laughs> to, to my friends and new kids is that I try to say that I love being a dad like over and over. I try to tell mm. myself that because there are times when I definitely do not love it. <laughs> For sure. But most of the time, what I find is that with that kind of repetition, um, it helps, you know, it's just like meditation or anything. The more you do it, the easier it is to find it. And so telling yourself that you love being a father, write it down over and over, even in those hard times, I think that's helpful because it's easy to just kind of tell yourself like, Oh, I could be doing this or the grass is greener here. And that kind of short-term view is right. But the long-term view is wrong in my opinion. No, I, I, dude, I, I think, okay. I hear what you're saying in our world of like, you know, it's my opinion, but let's just go back for a moment. When we all heard your parents have been married for 60 years, almost 60 years, and they're both 83. I feel like, and I, I don't know if it's just me, but there's something inside me that says, that's good. I want that, you know? So in the day to day out, like, no, nah, I don't want to be married every day. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to be a dad every day. There's days where I'm like, this just sucks. And this is hard. And the, I'd love to be doing X, Y, or Z. But thinking about myself at 83 by myself skiing with nobody <laughs> doesn't, you put that next to being married and all, I mean, the accomplishment is just two different things. Yeah, I think that's I think that's it, right? It's so easy to like call out your your shots when you're when when things are going good, right? right. You're on the upslope right. with business or finding success elsewhere and you're feeling on the top of your game. Um that's that's definitely one way to look at it, but I think where it's really powerful is to get, you know, when you're down, right? Yes. When you're sick, when you're broke, when you when you're feeling low, you know, who's with you then? Um, and how much better does it feel to have some people on your side, some of those allies? Like, and, um, you know, I just think if we could give ourselves the, I don't know, the privilege to try to look through that lens, I think yes. we would make better choices. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, I, I, I love it, man. I love it. So good, dude. I could talk to you forever about fatherhood. I, I love talking to you, um, about this stuff. It's really fun, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you my last question. Um, and it's about legacy. Imagine 30 years from now, you are standing out on the street, peering into your daughter's homes. Okay. You got a 35 year old daughter, 38 year old daughter which is gnarly, <laughs> right? Gnarly. So what do you see when you peer through the windows and you know that the choices that you made on top of the giant shoulders you got to stand on of your dad's, right? You're building on that foundation. What is it that you see in their homes that you know you're day in, day out, continuing to say, I love being a dad, even when I don't, created the human beings that you see inside that house? Yeah. Gosh, that's a tough one. That's a, that's a big question. 
I mean, I see legacy as what outlives you. And, you know, I'm sure hopeful that my kids are going to outlive me. And I sure hope that the energy and the resources and the devotion, the patience and the everything else that we're, you know, <laughs> trying to imbibe, you know, a day in and day out with my kids. I'm hoping that all this pays off and they're in their lives and they have each other. First of all, that they'll always mm-hmm. have each other, that they'll know that, you know, no matter what, you know, they'll have each other, which is powerful, right? Like, you know, that's what family is. Like you go through fights, you go through times where you're like not talking that year or that month or whatever, but you know, you got that person that's blood that's in your, that's in your pocket. So I hope that they know they always have each other. And then I hope they know that they're part of something greater. Mm. You know, we're all on this river. This is the section we're sailing. You know, these, your ancestors are sailed the one up top. You're, they're they're going to keep going. We get to experience life kind of at that same current pace with our friends. And I hope they've got friends. I know. I hope they've built bigger families, um, whether those that they they made themselves or those that they collected along the way. Um, I hope they are doing what makes them happy. I hope they're chasing the joy in their hearts. You know. Man, I love it. I love it. You know, and that's one of the things that you said, you know, for your three things you live your life by, you know, find the joy. And that's a choice. And you're teaching them that that's a choice. And I think that that's huge. Um, and if you could be taught that and demonstrated that your whole life, I mean, then then they're going to be living that out, dude. And what a beautiful legacy to leave. Yeah. And I think that's cool, right? Like I feel so lucky, right? I, I was born into a family that had love and respect and they, um, you know, couldn't be luckier, but my dad was not right. He had the opposite end of that spectrum and he had to make a choice and he had to do the hard work and luck and perseverance and that fucking hustle yes. that he's got that I, I have definitely, um, taken from him and trying to pass on to my kids. But, you know, you can start that trend, uh, anywhere. Uh, Matt, thank you so much, man, for sharing your field notes, sharing your life, sharing, you know, clearly the things you're rebelling against, the things that you're creating, the man that you are, the husband, the father, the intentionality, and and that you're choosing to really honor your parents, like you've said, honor your big family by paying it forward into your own kids. And, and like you see it like one day, their kids and their kids and their kids. And uh, dude, it's just super encouraging to talk to you about fatherhood and about life. And I just encourage you, bro, just keep at it. Keep doing what you're doing and inspiring the world around you. Thanks so much. This has been super fun. I'm going to take all your uh, positivity and I'm going to play it back when I'm a total (laughs) (laughs) a-hole. No, man, thanks so much. What a pleasure it is to to share. And so if people want to find you, they'll find you on the slopes in Tahoe with teaching your girls your love for snowboarding. That's right. Shred till dead. What an incredible conversation. I so love talking fatherhood with Matt. Felt like we just got started and there was so much good that I hated to end it, but I hope you got as much out of that conversation as I did. I know really thinking about slowing it down, like when I'm with my kids, 
just slowing down. And honestly, guys, I know for myself, I could just really have that mantra as a question, as a reminder throughout my entire day is to pay attention to slowing it down. So that'll definitely be a question I add right there next to what's life like for those in my kingdom. Check it out every Monday. I put out the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast interviewing great dads like Matt. If you're looking for something shorter, you can find in the same spot of Rebel and Create Fatherhood Field Notes, my podcast, Craft of Fatherhood, usually 10, 15, 20 minutes, just digging into a topic. So check that out. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review. That'd be much appreciated. And even better is share it with a friend just like Ben took the time to come alongside Matt as a new dad. You could be the light in somebody else's life sharing this wisdom just by sending them the podcast link. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you next time. Thank you.